Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, guys. Morning, guys. Contrary to your expectations, the Federal Reserve, after 15 months of rate hikes, last Wednesday paused on raising interest rates, but it said it would likely resume tightening at some point to cool inflation. The decision left the federal funds rate in the target range of 5% to 5.25%, but the new Fed forecast showed borrowing costs rising to 5.6% by the year end. Of the 18 policymakers, 12 agree further tightening is needed to contain price pressures, and they expect additional two additional quarter point rate hikes or one half point increase before the end of the year. What do you think of the Fed's decision last week? And what do you think of its forecast that it will raise rates another half percentage point? So I put a lot of thought about this into the weekend because we were basically talking like there was going to be a rate hike last week. And basically what the Fed did was a hawkish pause. And ultimately, at the end of the day, when you look out at forward rate expectations for rate cuts, which were embedded into the back half of the year, what they basically did was they tried to eliminate a lot of those. And what I kind of take this as is the Fed has basically reached its terminal rate where they see that the short-term Fed funds rate is in an acceptable place. At this point, moving forward, it's kind of like a wait and see game. And one of the reasons that we thought it would be a little bit more likely to see a rate hike last week versus July is inflation is going to come down again pretty precipitously over the course of the next month. So I I think what Powell is basically trying to dictate is a continued hawkish stance that rate hikes are right there on the precipice of happening in the event that you see inflation tick up and or economic growth materially reaccelerate again, or people start trading JPEGs of rocks for $400,000 with NFTs and those take off again, where that could actually precipitate more inflation. So I think it's quite possible that the Fed could be basically be in this wait and see mode. If inflation ticks up, Powell's going to immediately get hawkish to kind of squash inflation again. If inflation kind of just stagnates right around here, which it's probably going to as we get more into the fall and a lot of the base effects reaccelerating from last year kind of fall off and inflation stops disinflating. So we're basically at the point now where uh, forward inflation expectations are going to basically completely drive monetary policy. If anything hawkish happens, you're going to get Powell right out there talking inflation down, talking about more rate hikes to basically keep everything under control. That's the way I read it. And I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, unless we get this significant deceleration in inflation from here, um, I, I mean, everybody views these rate cuts as this positive thing. Rate cuts aren't positive in, in the grand scheme of things because it means the economy is deteriorating. So unless we get rate cuts for the sole reason that inflation is really coming down, um, rate cuts historically aren't that good of a thing because it's finally the Fed acknowledging that the economy is in a weaker place than they fully anticipated. During the Barron's, stocks just aren't that attractive relative to bonds these days. And that's especially true after the S&P's rally pushed its valuation multiple higher while bond yields held their ground. The rally happened despite consensus earnings estimates coming in flat or down. Flipping the S&P 500's PE multiple produces the earnings, the index's earnings yield of 5.2%. Meanwhile, U.S. investment-grade corporate bonds are offering a yield of 5.5%. This means bonds are not only competitive with stocks, but actually more attractive than them. With stocks more expensive, they are compensating investors less for their level of risk than they have in the past. And one way to compare stock valuations to bonds is the equity risk premium 
or the ERP. The ERP is calculated as the S&P 500's earnings yield minus the yield on the 10-year U.S. Treasury note. And the higher the ERP, the more investors are being compensated for the greater risk that stocks carry over bonds. The S&P 500's ERP is around 1.4 percentage points, and that's down from three percentage points a year ago. It's the lowest ERP since the financial crisis began and slightly below the 40-year average. This means there's less room for error should earnings disappoint or bond yields climb. So what's your view of the earnings yield, the equity risk premium, and do you agree bonds are more attractive than stocks these days? Look, first of all, uh, this market is extremely hated and all the stats go towards that. And you know, you are at earnings inflection points as we've talked about many times uh, on this podcast. So I think that number one at this juncture, yes, uh, bonds offer good valuations. We were talking about this you know, in the beginning of the year uh, quite often, but we also said do not reduce your long-term uh, allocations to equities because this year is the bounce back year. And then that's exactly what we're seeing. So yes, yeah, things bounce back, they're less cheap. So you know, bonds, once again, look a little bit more favorable. The point is here, you've got to stay balanced over time. And there are, there are still great yields in bonds. And yes, with the ERP and where it's at, bonds are cheaper right now. But I also think at some point, you know, as Mike talked about in the back half of the year, look, the 10-year looked like it was going to go past 4% at one point, and it kind of backed off from there, right? So once yields head south again, um, you know, these value stocks that have good yields that no one wants right now, hey, look at the underperformance of the Dow, right? The old stodgy value stocks uh, compared to the, not just the S&P, but more like the NASDAQ, right? You got the NASDAQ up 30, you got the Dow up sub five. So value stocks are having a very tough time because why would you buy a stock that yields four to five percent or to your point you go out buy a bond uh that yields you know five to six percent right now so those bonds are attractive they do have a spot in your portfolio uh risk adjusted you know you want to look towards that and yeah they they are they should be filling up you know the 40 to 50 percent uh that you have in bonds but that's half of your long-term allocation and stocks are more expensive than they were when you could have bought them last year and, and hold that held them. I would think as rates back off going into the second half of the year, value stocks become more attractive. You want to find your entry spots justly. But a lot of these have not moved in the past, you know, let's call it uh, 15 months, 16 months, and there will come a time for them. So uh, right now, you know, the, the markets are getting pretty priced uh Price right and um, value is still underpriced, but it's not going to change until yields back off. And until then, you buy those coupons and you have an alternative. And you know what's great about this environment, finally, is that we can have retirees build out a financial plan without taking the risk that they've taken for the past 15 years. And to your point, you know, risk adjusted returns are paramount, especially for individual situations. Yeah, and I don't think valuation should be ever used as a standalone catalyst. I'm sorry, you, you miss the ebbs and flows of the economic data and kind of what interest rates are ultimately doing. Because, you know, last year when interest rates basically more than doubled, it, it it didn't matter whether it was a low valuation stock or a high valuation stock. Everything was under pressure. So valuation as a standalone catalyst, I would basically view as sentiment as a standalone catalyst. I mean, at times it works, and I like to use valuation 
toward the downside sometimes if something's going to begin to reaccelerate you, you can kind of get an approximate valuation of where a company could potentially trade but there are value traps there's companies that trade for ridiculous ridiculously high premiums i mean you could have made the justification for the last 23 years that amazon was an overvalued company does it matter no good point okay guys thank you very much that was great and if you'd like to submit a question Send it to our email address, which is question at twoquestiontuesday.com, and we will be back next week. Great, guys. That's good.